great tremolo. Super like stereo. Yeah. A little, a little bit of good bass fuzz. Yeah, it's cool. Nice to hear these two dudes not playing the exact same riff. I know. Really cool vocal sound. Maybe it's one of my favorite rock vocals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's mostly him, but there's good, there's good reverb on there. Yeah. Good delay. I really like the way the kick drum sounds. It's a pretty crunchy harmony right yeah. there. Now comes the big goo dolls chorus. It, it kind of is. It kind of is. I feel like Tom Morello was dubstep before dubstep. Maybe. Which is yeah. all the like, the, that yeah. crazy tremolo. And there's like a little tambo that comes in every like 16 maybe. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it's quiet. Yeah. I always really like Chris Cornell as a singer because he feels like ancient. Yeah. Like the melodies that he writes make me feel like I'm like watching like the fucking hip Jonas Brothers band of like Egypt right. in like BC. Right. <laughs> Seven hundred. song's really dark too it makes is. it feel like ancient yeah but it's not like it's a heavy song that's not like loud right and of course coming up we got our some whammy pedal goodness the shit is epic this guitar solo gets me fired up to this day to this day yeah <laughs> really like this bass playing as well. Very supportive. True bass player's bass player. Oh, here we go. Great delay on the whammy too, which yeah. I, I've got the I've got a whammy and a delay. Same ones that he's got. It's fucking impossible to make it sound so well. I know. It's like people still don't play guitar like this dude. No. Remember he was the first boss in Guitar Hero? Really? Had to be. I never like played the like narrative. Yeah, he the, he's like the first like boss. <laughs> what a, what disrespect. I know. Tom Morello. <laughs> Welcome to Listen to This, a podcast in which we explore songs we like. Ooh, acoustic guitar. We research what they mean, how they were recorded, why they were written, why we like them, and why you should listen to this. Today we're talking about Like a Stone by the rock supergroup Audioslave. Audioslave was a band that was made up of the instrumentalist from Rage Against the Machine, yep. along with the lead singer from Soundgarden, Chris yep. Cornell. Uh, like a Stone was released as the second single from the group's debut album on January 21st, 2003. It topped the charts and was the group's biggest hit. 
going on to be the fifth most played rock song of the decade. Wow. You know what number one was? Never Never made it as a wise man. Oh, yeah. Wow, dude. (laughs) Uh, It was written by uh, Chris Cornell and Brad Wilk, Tim Comerford, and Tom Morello, who are the, the members of the band. And it was produced by the great great rick rubin nice so like what what's your what's your breakdown on who rick rubin is to the to the people listening out there rick rubin is an enigma of a producer yeah yeah like he has produced some of the greatest rock acts but also some of the greatest hip-hop and r&b acts and country and country he did a dixie chicks record that was like fucking phenomenal he's co-founder of def jam yeah and does not play a single instrument. He produced those Johnny Cash and Tom Petty acoustic albums like Ooh. late in their career as well. They like American series. Yeah. He did one with Neil Young. Yeah, I didn't know he didn't play an instrument. Does not have any yeah. musical thing. One of the greatest things I ever saw was a video of Rick Rubin when he was producing a, the Jay-Z, The Blueprint. Mm-hmm. One of the most influential rap albums of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of Jay-Z doing a verse and Rick Rubin's like, ah, oh, you know, I think you should rewrite that verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just being like talking to Jay-Z like that. It's like, dude, it's like, and Rick Rubin's like, if you saw him, like you A, would just like not take him very serious or think he's like not from our like a dimension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got like the huge, huge beard, beard, big hair. He used to be like kind of a bigger guy. Bigger now guy. he's really skinny. Yeah, he looks kind of little. You, you may have to rewrite the third verse after this because you just took it... The whole song just went like this. Rick ain't normal. I don't give a fuck. I know all producers have their idiosyncrasies, meaning, you know, quirks and some weird shit. But he's just strange by strange standards. While we was downstairs doing hardcore rap records and shit, upstairs he had a bunch of people having koala leaves and doing some type of Tibetan freedom concert planning. I'm thinking maybe we start a cappella with um, if you're having girl problems, I feel bad for your son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. Bam! Right into the first so verse. Over 20 years into his career, dude ain't changed. He got his own vibe. I mean, it's Rick. You gotta love him for that. Didn't he also produce the fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yeah. Like Blood, Blood, Sex, Sugar, Magic? And I think Californication, yeah, I yeah. think he did. I mean, the d- And Slipknot? Yeah, I mean, he's. I'm telling you, like Rick Rubin yeah, yeah. is an enigma of a producer. Read, like, read the Wikipedia page, y'all. He's um, insane, and he's 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 a member of the tribe. Shout out to the Juice out there. Oh, nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I think what's cool about Rick Rubin is his philosophy always seems to be like staying out of the way. Yeah, like when the Dixie Chicks talked about him recording, and Audio Slave also kind of echoed these sentiments. He basically just like let them do, do takes all the way down, and like maybe would step in if things were going in a bad direction. Yeah, but he wouldn't try to push anything in any certain direction yeah which like maybe like staying out of the way is more helpful than anything else sometimes it's like with the legends yeah it's like he everyone he works with is extremely talented he's just letting them he i think when a record label is doing an album with an artist and rick rubin is producing rick rubin is kind of like the credible guy for for them to go in and let the band be creative and experimental yeah because he's there to number one, oversee this and make sure that it gets done right. 
and gets done well because this is what he does. And he doesn't go in there and point fingers and play it like this and do it like this because that's just going to create issues amongst yeah, yeah, people yeah. that are already successful. Well, I was reading this, the Tina Fey autobiography mm-hmm. over the weekend, Bossy Pants. Great mm-hmm. read I would, for anybody, especially if you're a fan of 30 Rock or whatever. And she talked about like, in the book, she talks about how the best thing a producer can sometimes do is actually limit people's creativity just a little right. bit because she's like talking about how like they're already enthusiastic and you can't let everybody do everything. So he's probably pretty subtle about that because like the records that he makes, like this just sounds like a band. It sounds exactly like what I would imagine. Exactly. Audio Slave sounds like in real life. Exactly. Bassist Tim Calmerford claims that the song is about an old man waiting for death. Interesting. Sitting in a house alone after all his friends and family have passed on. That's crazy. It's heavy shit. Chris Cornell explains, quote, It's a song about concentrating on the afterlife you would hope for rather than the normal monotheistic approach. You work really hard all your life to be a good person and a moral person and fair and generous, and then you go to hell anyway. Right, yeah. Uh, he- heavy. Yeah. Yeah, these guys. People used to write some really heavy songs, man. Yeah. This was a number one song and it's like It was kind a number of, one song, yeah. Kind of like a mid-tempo song about like accepting death but like you're not stoked about it. Right. It's 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 very harmonic minor. Coolest thing about Tim is he's got those like t-shirt sleeve yeah, holy tattoos. Shit. And when I was a kid, I remember thinking those were cool. And now that I'm older, I'm like, I bet that shit hurt, dude. Oh, absolutely hurt. How like, long did you sit for your tattoos? Combined all of it, everything? Like what's your biggest session at once? I, I clock out at six hours. Really, really? Yeah. So like this one was five, six hour sessions. So yeah. Like 30 hours. For, so. for podcast listeners that don't know, Luke's got sick tattoos. Yeah. I just have one that says penicillin allergy. <laughs> it's, 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 it's useful though. <laughs> they filmed the music video for uh, this song in the same house where Jimi Hendrix started writing Purple Haze. Sick. It's a pretty cool little tie-in to That's cool. an episode we just did. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about is Tom Morello, the, the guitar player for Audio Slave. The dude plays the guitar like it is in a guitar. That's his MO. Yeah, that's the- Which I think is really cool. He's using this thing on this track called a whammy pedal, which we we talked in the last in the Jimi Hendrix episode a little bit about an octave pedal. A whammy pedal is a, a pitch shifting pedal, so you can do octaves with it but it sort of changes the pitch on a sliding like continuum, like as if there were no frets. It right. sort of turns a pitch wheel into a thing you can use on your guitar. You see a lot of people use these things? No. Really? No. Man, I use the shit out of mine. I know. I use it all the time. He was really popular back then. <laughs> and I remember everybody bought whammy pedals after this song came out. Oh, yeah. All the guitar players. Oh, yeah. This and the Killing of the Name solo. Yeah, that's where he really... The dentist drill sound. Yeah, exactly. That's what everyone always calls it. Yep. But you know, we'll get to our sponsor today in a little bit. (laughs) This week's episode of Listen to This is brought to you by Morello, Morello, and Morello DDS. A lot of people have a big fear of the dentist, and I don't really blame them. My dentist is like 95 years old, and he puts really sharp shit in my mouth, and I have to pray (laughs) to God every time I go. I'm going tomorrow morning. It's going to be scary. This might be our last episode. But Morello, Morello, and Morello are different. They soothe the spirit with epic riffs and advanced political discourse in the lobby. That's Morello, Morello, and Morello DDS. Never has a Drent dentist drill sounded so epic. Thanks so much, y'all, for listening to this podcast. Please tell your people about this podcast in real life. Please tell your internet strangers, your, uh, what are, what are those people, the Zanga commenters, live journal oh, yeah. community. <laughs> We're on Instagram, Patreon. We've got playlists on Spotify with all the songs and episodes from season one, two, and trace. Let us know how we're doing and what songs you want us to do episodes about. Thanks for listening to this. Yeah.